Hey, Cure fans, this is the Holy Hour, the All Cure podcast. I'm Gavin. Thank you so much for joining us uh, again, once for the first time. Who knows? But I'm so happy to have you here and uh, great to share this podcast with you, devoted to the legendary alternative rock act, whatever you want to call them, The Cure. If that's what you're looking for, you have, you have found it. Fucking goldmine of nothing but Cure talk. Well, that's not 100% true. Sometimes we stray a little, but that's not our fault. We're humans. We like to share things with you good people, and that's what we're doing. And uh, we do have a unique episode for you this time. This is a a bit of a trailer episode of some cool things to come. And um, we've been very lucky here at the Holy Hour. If you recall back, if you've been following the show, um, or even just the Cures 2016 tour on some level, Um, You know that the tour started around May, I believe it was, here in the U.S., in New Orleans, and um, we were very fortunate here at the Holy Hour podcast to uh, cross paths with a wonderful lady, Arusha, who is a devoted Cure fan, who's been such a huge fan for years, and um, just an all-around cool person, and is currently working on a documentary, uh, Push, Cure fan documentary, uh, that chronicled devoted fans following the cure um around 2000 of the blood flowers tour and um and it's it's still in the works and and it's bound to be amazing but she's really in the thick of it and uh just a truly devoted fan and on every level and and she of course was on many of the shows in the 2016 tour here in the u.s and kind enough to uh get us some field recordings and give us more importantly her perspective from show to show, and uh, we really got some great inside scoop from her. So I highly recommend going back and listening to those episodes of the Holy Hour. Um, but if the future and the present is what you're all about, then stay tuned because I'm happy to announce that she's decided to go on over to Europe and uh, check out the last seven shows of the European leg of this tour that wraps up the whole year and the whole tour. Um, around October, I believe, they started up again in Europe. And um, are starting to wind down now, and she's going to catch up with them in Spain and ride it out to the end in Wembley, Wembley Arena in the UK there. And um, she's going to send us the scoop as she stumbles across it and gets like ultimate perspectives from wonderful people, new fans, old fans, casual fans, diehard fans, the whole works. I'm sure we'll see them all again in some european perspective of it all and uh i can't wait so i can't thank her enough even before it all starts of what we've got to piece together for you good people and uh, i hope you enjoy it as much as i'm sure i will so um i'll let her dive right into it um she she really shares her where she's at as a person before taking off here for europe and um you know it's 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 a weird time right now for a lot of cure fans just the age that we're at and that and where we're at as the country and you know her as a filmmaker so uh starts out a little personal and then gets into you know what the tour has meant at this point to not her but a lot of us i think and um and it's really honest and i can't thank her enough so i'm gonna quit babbling and hand it over to her and just see where she's at from uh the perspective of a devoted fan ready to see the final leg of an epic tour so Here you go, Arusha. Um, 
This is Arusha from Push, a Cure fan documentary. Director, producer, sometimes editor, uh, sometimes fundraiser, not lately. And in about 48 hours, I will be taking a cab to get on a plane to go to Spain to see, well, to embark on the, on the last part of my cure adventures for the year. And perhaps forever. I'm not sure. Um, but I'll get to that in a minute. Um, I will be joining the European tour as it reaches its end of 2016 uh, in Bilbao, Spain. I'm going to Barcelona, Manchester, and the UK. And um, I thought it would be nice to sort of get back into the the Cure fan journey as we as we all talked about this summer. And I hope to bring you some interviews and thoughts along the way in Europe. Um, one would think that right now I would be beside myself in excitement, <clears throat> but being that the person I, being the person I am, I have to be honest, and I'm I'm kind of anxious um, for several reasons. One being just the state of America right now. Um, I don't know how anyone can do anything without thinking about Donald Trump and what he. You know, I, I don't know. I, I'm 40-something, and I've never faced an election like this. I mean, I remember Reagan. I remember uh, both George Bush's. Um, but I don't think it's ever really been like this. I mean, no president appointed so many horrible left, or sorry, right-wing people and racist jerks um into our government and 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 maybe i was too young to be conscious of of what other people were seeing in other countries but you know clearly we are about to embark on a journey of isolating ourselves from the rest of the world unless we can really work together to fight this anyway so there's that and i i i want to enjoy europe um every millisecond that I'm there, you know, and not be preoccupied with what's going to happen in the future because who the hell knows what's going to happen in the future. So that's that. But it is, it has changed my, um, my outlook on everything. I mean, had Hillary Clinton won the election as she won the popular vote, I just, it would be different. So that's one thing. Um, the second thing is that I entered this year, um, at this time last year, I had, I had picked up my project again after it being dormant for years. I, I didn't look at the footage. I didn't pick it up. I gave up on it and I always thought I would get back to it, but I just didn't know when. And last year, a lack of work afforded me time to get back to the footage and I showed it to a lot of people including some members of the band who were very supportive um, and there was a definite um, wave of support that I got 
I, so around this time of year, last year, I was very creative, and then they just announced the tour, so it was very exciting, and we bought 8 million tickets online. It was crazy. I'm sure everybody remembers that. Um, you know, and then fast forward to the tour, which was incredible this year. Uh, but it was it was hard for me in the way that I was still searching for my, you know, connection to this um, the I, the ideal that any documentary maker filmmaker wants is to connect with the band and get the interview. But although the band are aware of what I'm doing, they were never really available for the interview. Um, or anything like that, which doesn't surprise me on the one hand, on the rational side, because they were so busy. Um, and I'm a tiny blip, <laughs> I'm sure, on um, their radar of, well, especially Robert's radar of, I'm sure, the massive amounts of things that he gets proposed all the time. I mean, look at the amount of movies that are out now with The Cure in them. So every sure every day there's like oh hey can we use your song in this can we use your song in that can we do this we want to do that anyway so you know there's that side of it but that doesn't mean that it's you know not hard as somebody who partially gave up on the project earlier because although I had access to the band and I was given full permission to follow them around for several years um, and taped some shows in the early 2000s, um, you know, there's some loose ends that I was hoping to address this time, and that didn't happen, but onward and upward. So there's that. And then there's the ever-present what-the-hell-am-I-doing-with-my-life syndrome. You know, I don't know how all other Cure fans you know, feel when they spend loads of money and plan their their trips to follow the cure. But it's a really big deal for me. And I find that what it does, what following the cure does for more than, you know, two or three shows in a year, or, you know, a concert here, a concert there, is it kind of it's kind of like a little stick of dynamite that blows open my reality. So regardless of what's going on with my Cure fan documentary and regardless of what's going on with permission to use this song or that song and, you know, fans being weird. Like some fans are extremely supportive and I'm grateful and other fans are not. And that's always weird. I don't. I don't understand why anybody would slag on somebody for trying to do something, even if you're not a success. So for all of you who are trying to make a, write a book or have a piece of art that's collecting dust or a song that you haven't finished or an album that you haven't finished, you know, I support you because, uh, the process is where it's at. But anyway, um, I don't know. It's just a thing. When I when I go on these tours, I always start with like, why am I doing this? Why can't I just do what is more responsible um, in my life? And then I do it. I go on the tour and I come back with like a new perspective. And it's good. 
Um, but it's also scary because like since the first tour this summer, I've really had to re-examine a lot of things in my life. I've been reminded of a lot of elements of living that I miss that I didn't have at least for five or six years, like for five or six years because of my career, I was unable to travel. And traveling is a big deal for me. Meeting people that are like-minded is a big deal for me. And I find them when I go to Cure shows and other concerts too. I mean, and I can really, I mean, I, you find people that you connect with anytime you go do something that you're passionate about. But I can honestly say for me, like, for me, it's music. Um, and so this year, like, if I look back to this time last year compared to now, I can list at least a dozen people that I feel connected with, if not more, like 20 people that I feel like I have a stronger connection with now that I didn't know before the Cure Tour in America. And and those people, I hope that I can continue to get to know them better, even if it's remotely online. The other thing that's um, become apparent to me in this journey of like opening the, the documentary again and going out and shooting is it's very weird uh, as an independent filmmaker to go and shoot now with the knowledge of how fast and how immediate everything happens. Now, I mean, now you go to a concert and you have a periscope and you have 20 hundred people putting things online, you know, footage of the cure and you have people giving reports. Um, everything is so immediate that art making art, at least to me as is, has changed. It, I don't know. I mean, I still have to go about things the way that I do them, but uh, I don't know. It's just a different experience now than it was <clears throat> obviously years, 10 years ago and 20 years ago and so on. There's a film out right now called Records Collecting Dust, which I just watched. Um, it's available on Night Flight, which is a fantastic um, channel. You all should subscribe. It's like $30 a year. And it's a, these old punk rock dudes um, like Henry Rollins, <clears throat> and um, the lead singer of the Germs, I forget his name, but he's in a lot of documentaries. Um, loads and loads of people. Paul Jenkins from the Black Heart Procession is in it. Anyway, they're all sitting there being interviewed and they're talking about their records. And it's kind of boring if you look at it in the terms of it's a talking head with a record and they're literally, you know, you're watching them talk about it. But at the same time, to me, it was interesting because they're talking about a time period that I kind of grew up in. And now they're talking about a time period that's gone, like going to the record store, meeting people, having people say, you should do this, you should do that. It's kind of gone. So I wonder sometimes if this experience, if these like, you know, experiences of following the cure or you know, you can insert whatever you're passionate about now, like going to see a band play. If we don't have a place to go to the local record store, the local anarchist cookbook, what or baking, whatever, I'm flubbing my words, but you know, like 
the quote unquote brick and mortar stores are becoming somewhat a thing of the past because so much is done online. Um, I think our stories are, are being told on the road. And so I hope that you all have the patience to, uh, stay with me and participate in my cataloging of what we do. Um, I think it's great. And like, I think it's great what Gavin and Donald are doing, you know, with the podcast and it's super fun. Like I love hearing (laughs) their stories that are brought to you in, you know, West Virginia or, Oh God, where is it? Asheville, Gavin? I fucking forgot. Anyway, you know, because we get to go for a minute into their living room and into their spaces and it just gives you, you know, hearing the audio only gives you a different perspective than seeing it online. And it gives you a different perspective than seeing an edited film, right? Into the home base of the Holy Hour podcast. Um, I will be recording as I go because it helps my project as much as, you know, even if you decide that (laughs) you don't want to use any of it, I'm still going to do it because it helps me in my process anyway. So on to the subject of the shows. Um, I think we got, I'm sure the shows in, I mean, these shows in Europe are great. I mean, the, the, the Cure are still doing great. They've, they've decreased their encores from four to three. Um, and they haven't varied their set list as much as some people have wanted. Um, but I don't personally think that matters. Although, as my friend Auntie from Helsinki, who I met this year, who's, um, I feel, a very kindred spirit, um, says he, he, call, he coined a new term called set lust. <laughs> set lust, everybody. Um, yeah, because we were like, oh, my God, what if they play The Exploding Boy? What if they play M? What if they play At Night? Or some song off of, you know, the last two albums. <clears throat> all right sorry to interrupt here but i just cannot let this idea of set lust pass up there's too brilliant of a concept and um we're fortunate enough from arusha to get uh auntie's definition um straight from him so uh let's hear him in his own words describe this new concept set lust yes um a few days ago i was um writing to somebody about something and I typed the word well I was supposed to type a word set list uh, but I made a typo and I um, I typed uh, set lost and I was like wow that's actually a really good word you know um, it actually means something I mean it means that you and especially like now um, the Cure are on tour, and probably everybody, well, at least all the fun fans, super fans, are um, expecting them to play or wanting them to play or lusting after certain songs. Um, so yeah, that's that 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 is something that set lust is. It means lusting after some particular songs to be played 
on the set list when you see them live. It's always a different experience, but nobody can deny that they're always looking for the ultimate set list when it comes to The Cure because there's so many songs that they could possibly pull out from their catalog. I mean, there's just so many songs. I think overall this year, we're everyone's super excited about Burn being a mainstay in the um, in the shows. I've been, of course, a little disappointed to see Last Dance take uh, take the bench. That song for me has been my theme song for the year, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this will be my last dance or not with uh, going to the shows. I'm wicked excited to see all my friends in Europe and just be in Europe seeing The Cure. I cannot state that enough. And once again, if anybody out there has the means to go and see a Cure show in a different country, I highly recommend it. It's, uh, it's incredible. Um, <clears throat> so the last thing I wanted to bring up before I, I leave is, before I leave, before I sign off is it, we, we also had the uh, release of Lawrence Tolhurst's book Cured this year and the pleasure of him doing a, a book tour. I got to meet the guy. Um, my friend Mike Moskowitz and I went twice. Mike, who I met on the tour this year, of course. Um yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I don't meet people all the time that I relate to. You know what I mean? I, I just, that may say something about me or being a Cure fan or both, but I just, I met a lot of really awesome people this year. I'm very grateful for that. But anyway, we went to see Lawrence Tolhurst Lowell speak, and that was fantastic, and his book is great. And so because of what he wrote in the book, I'm going to go to Crawley and I'm going to shoot. And I'm super excited about that. You know, it was like a light bulb. Ding. Why didn't I think of that? Well, you know what? I didn't think of it. Mike Moskowitz thought of it. Um, he is such a diehard fan. He read the book a couple of times and sort of noted these pivotal um, places that were important to, you know, Lowell's journey as a member of the cure. Um, and again, I think that can relate to all of us. I think, again, although I'm anxious about going for several reasons, I'm also very excited and will be in it 100% no matter where the day takes me. And I hope that I can bring you some um, some fun. <laughs> some insight and some shared common ground in my reports from Europe. All right, man. All right. Thanks so much, Arusha. We can't wait to hear what, what adventures and shenanigans you get into over in Europe. So thanks so much. I hope you have safe travels getting over there. By the time this airs, I think you'll... You'll already be in the lion's den, so we can't wait. So uh, thanks so much, and um, so many good ideas there. Uh, we, we'll keep our coverage and our ears peeled and try to get these out to you as soon as possible. 
um, to keep them as relevant to when the shows happen as possible. But uh, bear with us. If you go to any of these shows yourself on this last seven shows of the tour, be sure to uh, follow along and leave comments in the comments section on our Facebook page, The Holy Hour Podcast. We'd love to hear your perspectives if you agree, disagree, or just have personal experiences that you would also like to add to it. We would love to hear it. Also on Instagram, you can find The Holy Hour Podcast, where you can also keep on track of um, episodes to come, as well as just post whatever you got. We'd love for you to be a part of that page as well. And of course, if you just want to drop me a message, GavinConnor at gmail.com is where you can do that. And um, be sure to subscribe on iTunes so you don't miss any of these. We'll try to throw these up, and uh, they might pile up quick. And you might miss one or two here or there. So uh, keep keep subscribing, and or subscribe once should do the trick. And um, that way, nothing will get past you, and uh, you'll get the episodes as soon as they post. And uh, that's we'll kind of wrap it up early on that one. Um, in the meantime, be sure to check out this film that that Arusha has been working on push cure fan documentary at curefandocumentary.com and uh, you can follow the progress of that and donate some money to help out would be awful nice of you and uh, a good cure fan thing to do and uh, also as the holiday season approaches be sure to check out mixedupgifts.com where you can find some cool cure related knickknacks for your friends and family as well as tons and countless other cool things where you can find at mixedupgifts.com and um we thought we'd leave you here since we got a little bit of time uh, as a short episode. We had a, a few extra minutes of um, Auntie talking about his idea and concept of set lust and further talk, since it's always fun just to talk about the the uh, variety and hopes and dreams of a cure set list. And, um, uh, you know, it, it never gets old. So uh, here's some great perspective on this topic to... Uh, to talk us out of this episode special thanks to arusha and auntie thanks so much for sharing your thoughts stay tuned for the european conclusion um i guess um i think for me um the moment um i don't know maybe maybe it was the reflections in a way, because I mean, obviously, we knew that, that you were gonna play those three albums, but for the encores, I mean, I thought they would it would be the 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 albums and then probably some hits around the same same time or like from the early early parts, um, and then suddenly they come back on stage and start doing all the B sides, and I mean that was. That was quite crazy in 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 Sydney. Also, um, I think for me, um, a song that I didn't think they would I would ever have, or or even anybody would have uh, a chance to hear live, and and what happened um, four years ago at Primavera in Barcelona when they started uh, Just One Kiss and that was I mean after that for me I mean obviously you know 
they they tend to surprise us occasionally um but i i think um, probably i think <laughs> i don't know after after um hearing just one kiss live after that i thought that <laughs> anything is possible and in a way it has been i mean f- two years ago i i never thought that i would hear too late live i mean and then at royal albert hall in 2014 out of the blue they they do do that or or like man inside my mouth uh about approximately two years ago as well so yeah i mean anything is possible but but with this tour i think we got um the cure fans and especially the people who who follow the set list or who go to the shows a lot uh we got spoiled i think uh with the u.s tour because at the beginning there were so many songs that you'd never i mean i didn't think i could ever hear uh the exploding boy or this twilight garden or all i want or um uh what else anyway i mean plus those new songs as well so um you kind of you kind of start to expect uh them to pull out all these rare songs like all the time like and i've been i don't want to say disappointed but i've been a little bit surprised that they haven't done any rare songs in europe like the, the songs that i that they they haven't done before or i mean they haven't played um, the exploding boy they haven't played screw um and those songs and i've i'm i've been and i mean they they haven't even done pornography encore in in europe so i have been a little bit i don't want to say disappointed because i mean still the sets are really good but then again it's like especially when you go see them a lot you kind of start to you forget that majority of the people are just there for that night so obviously they have to kind of make the set to mostly cater those people who are there for just that one night but the the people that go to a lot of shows i mean i i'm not you know lying if i say that sometimes i feel like okay i've heard this song so many times and they have all these songs even the songs that they know how to play that that they have rehearsed why don't they play those what just 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 one song and but but it's in a way like the how do you say how do you say like you the hunger grows the more you eat i don't know if that's a, a saying in at least that's that's how we say it in finland anyway so yeah i don't know but still i think for me just one kiss primavera sound festival barcelona 2012 i almost fainted when that started also um now that reflections um of uh the reflections from 
from um, the, the the US shows of reflections are like five years ago now. The second night in New York when they did uh, due to Hansa, that was, I mean, come on, that was some, that was really special. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's it. Okay. <laughs> Hello, this is Jason Cooper. You're listening to the Holy Air Podcast.